this episode of the Capacity Podcast, we join Shalker, the president of the 180DC Universitas Gajah Mada branch, based in Yogyakarta, Indonesia. She'll be introducing some of the projects 180DC UGM has been working on and the direction the branch will be heading in the future. She also discusses her leadership philosophy and why fintech and edtech matter so much, especially in the Indonesian context. As host of the 180DC APEC case competition, Shaka will be representing 180DC UGM and sharing more about the theme of the competition, what the commitment is like, as well as some exclusive tips and tricks to doing well in the competition. Good morning, good evening, and good night, everybody. I'm Ryan Lee, the host of Capacity, the podcast brought to you by 180 Degrees Consulting in the lead-up to our inaugural 2023 APEC Summit. We're all about helping you unlock your capacity and navigating the recent trends in the APEC region. Today, we have Shalka Anindya Putri, the president of the 180DC Universitas Gajah Mada branch in Yogyakarta, Indonesia, to tell us more about what they are up to, as well as their involvement in hosting the 180DC APEC Summit Case Challenge 2023. Hi, Shalka. Hi, Ryan. Hi, everyone. So, maybe we could start off with a quick introduction. So, what do you do in 180DC UGM? Sure. Um, So, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I'm very excited. Um, So, I'm Shalka in India, and you can call me Shalka. I'm currently a third-year economics student at Universitas Gajah Mada, or UGM, and I'm currently the president of 180DC um, UGM branch. And basically, my team consists of around uh, eight directors and 80 analysts over the two cycles of this year. And previously, I was a project leader myself. So yeah, I'm actually very invested in this organization, and I'm planning a lot of things with my team moving forward this year. So as you mentioned, right, you're planning a lot of interesting things with your team. Any Anything you can reveal about what's upcoming for 180DC UGM branch? Yeah, uh, so I think for the projects, um, we're talking both from the consulting and non-consulting points of view. So from consulting, uh, we're exploring new clients and new industries because previously we've done a lot of ad tech clients and um, a lot of waste management startups, but this cycle we're planning on exploring fintech and also other types of NGOs and NPOs that we haven't really tapped into yet. Um, but on top of that, the non-consulting projects we're also working on definitely the APAC Summit Case Challenge, which is we're very currently very invested in. Um, but other than that, we're also doing um, a consulting bootcamp, which will be held around. March and April, which is a three-day bootcamp that prepares um, our participants with, you know, soft and hard skills in pursuing a career in management consulting. And we're also hosting a company visit in Indonesia. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, you know, inviting um, young people who are interested in joining consulting. And we're visiting a few consulting firms and a few companies as well this May. So that's pretty exciting as well um, because we're collaborating with a lot of different firms and we're expanding our network. 
So yeah, those things are what we're basically working on right now. Well, sounds sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, you did mention just now that uh, one eighty DC UGM is, or at least um, your branch was kind of focused on ad tech uh, over the past few years, right? Maybe you could share some interesting things that uh, your branch has been working on previously. Yeah. Um, so for the consulting projects, we've done a few, uh, you know, ad tech startups. Um, uh, I'm not sure if I can, you know, disclose their their names, but uh, a lot of them are, you know, in forms of MOOC, you know, like uh, just open platforms of, um, you know, some type of basically learning management systems or learning platforms online. Um, and in our previous cycle, we were also uh collaborating with this organization called Gores Denai. Basically they're developing a platform for students to learn more about social sciences and politics because in Indonesia that exposure is not very um prevalent yet. And also other than you know consulting projects, uh we also hosted a an event with Y20 Indonesia. Um so basically as we know, as we know that Indonesia was the host of G20, and one of the engagement groups was Y20, and we collaborated with them to discuss issues regarding youth employment, education, and it was really interesting because it really lifted, you know, our brand and as an organization, as a youth organization, and our involvement in youth employment and education in general. So yeah, that was really exciting for us, and um, it's such a a great experience to work with Y20. Yeah, I was actually in uh, Indonesia around the period of like uh, G20. Um, not exactly oh, G20 itself, really? but I saw all the posters being put up. It was really big. They they have like the event schedules yeah. all posted <laughs> up. It, it just looked like something I, you know, want to be a part of, right? And I, I mean, I guess your involvement in Y20 yeah. would have, yeah, it would have been a, a fun experience as well. I guess more on that point, right? You did mention that one of the key issues in education in Indonesia was the lack of this. The social science education is not as uh, focused on. Maybe you want to share, like, um, kind of what, uh, maybe some reasons why and what 180 DC UGM, what you know, the project you guys were working on to improve it. Mm. So basically, um. So to begin with, I think Indonesia's education system is actually pretty, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of gap in our education and it's not only about um, the substance of it, but also a very multidimensional issue more on like the facility, um, the access and so on and so forth. And um, the client that we were working with uh, on, you know, like the social sciences, um, you know, learning platform, they were actually advocating for, uh, you know, to uh, expanding the access for especially public school students to have more exposure to international and global stages of like knowledge and um, case studies, which we're not very much exposed to when we're in school back then. So um, our client was uh, helping more access to those kind of knowledge and kind of resources. So what we were helping them with was actually more on the business model and monetization uh, 
portion and also the go-to-market strategy because it was one of their newest um, products which we were helping them with. And um, it's actually a, a continue, sorry, we're actually continuing the project this cycle. So it's not quite done yet. So they're uh, engaging with us for two cycles, so for an entire year. So hopefully um, everything goes well and we can provide sound recommendations for them to further provide that access to Indonesian students. Mm. Okay, um, I guess this cycle, you did mention that you're moving into certain certain other new fields. Uh, I think what was mentioned was fintech, right? Um, I guess... Yeah. Maybe why specifically these these fields? Because it, it seems like a very unique angle to take your branch into. Yeah. So, uh, why fintech? I think, I think it began from the fact that, uh, financial inclusion has always been an important issue for Indonesia, um, considering our country still has a large portion of um individuals and households who are not banked or they're basically they're either unbanked or underbanked uh, which is still a significant portion of the population so which is why that's where fintech comes in right to provide um, solutions that cannot be provided by traditional financial institutions and we see this very emerging um, you know growth of like fintech startups in Indonesia and we really just want to explore that um, realm because it's going to be you know of course a lot of fintech startups are not they're not beginning as like a big financial institution so they have a lot of gaps in terms of um, their operations or their business model explorations and so that's where we come in as a consulting organization to help those kind of startups to actually amplify their impact further um, because we're really interested in uh, financial um, in financial industries and we're, we also have a long-term partnership with a fintech called Luang which we will discuss later during the case competition part because that's our case partner as well but we're securing a long-term partnership with them where we are educating our audience with um, you know financial literacy and just basically anything about um, financial ability and financial independence. So yeah, that's why we're exploring fintech this cycle. Well, that's a handful. I, I have a few friends who are uh, quite involved in fintech and they tell me it's a really kind of, it's a really emerging space. There's a lot of movement. There's, um, there's a lot of good, a lot of good that can be done in that field actually, which is, you know, quite, quite interesting space for yeah. your branch to be in. So I guess in bringing your branch yeah. into these like new spaces, right? I just want to know like what is your kind of leadership philosophy behind, um, I guess your presidency in One Eighty DC. So basically, I personally um try to be, uh, build my organization, so this One Eighty DC UGM branch, um, to have like a very professional environment, um, because in UGM we don't really have this sort of organizations where people actually work and you know work with a real client so this is such a, a rare exposure for our um our students in, in ugm so uh that professionalism is something that i really hold on to but on top of that i also 
build my leadership upon authenticity. So as long as much as, as cliche as it sounds, I believe that I always try to share my authentic self to my team, just so that my team can equally share their authenticity with me. And why that's so important to uh, our team is that um, I think the challenge of being part of an organization such as 180, where you're volunteering and this is uh, this is not an official university organization, um, is, that, is that they really should serve a purpose, right? And they should have a reason and motivation to actually be here and to contribute. So without that building of trust, that would be really difficult for uh, for me to, you know, bring everyone to actually contribute um, wholeheartedly. So basically, I'm trying to build trust with my team and just so that we can be more authentic in terms of delivering our ideas and to actually realize the purpose uh, here at 180. Um, and also just basically creating an environment that is genuine, that people are actually coming here to contribute and not just for the sake of putting your, your experiences on your CV. So yeah, just building that motiv intrinsic motivation um, to my team is what really matters to me. So yeah, I think that's my philosophy. That's really that's really good to hear, you know. I think a lot of the times, um, I guess with big organizations like this, you know, where it's like very work focused, sometimes you you lose the element of being a student, right? And like, you know, we have our our school to get yeah. done as well as our <laughs> as well as our 180DC uh, commitments as well. Definitely, yeah. So it's good it's good to hear that you know yeah. authenticity. Um, being genuine, taking care of everyone's needs is is something that you guys focus on quite a lot. Okay, so what are some, I guess you did share with me uh, about fintech and edtech. Are there any causes, are there any other causes that you kind of personally advocate for? Like what's your personal uh, favorite, so I guess favorite social issue? If you If you could tackle and change one thing in Indonesia right now, what would it be? Yeah, I love this question so much because I really just want to talk about this. But I personally strongly advocate for educational issues um, and not just at tech specifically, but education in general, just the traditional education system. Because I think Indonesia has such a long way to go in terms of our, in terms of closing the gap um, of access, in terms of the gap of like quality of education in general. So it's because education in Indonesia is so multidimensional. Um, and why is that? Because we are such a vast archipelago and we are very culturally, you know, diverse. So education would be very strongly affiliated with those cultures. And which is why it's such an extensive issue because there really is no one size fits all solution for education in Indonesia. And same as everywhere else in the world, I believe. But for the case of Indonesia, it's just so extensive because for for every region, it has like a different culture and different ways of learning things. And we cannot force our students to learn, um, you know, with a standardized way of, of learning, which is very complex. And, and that is why our uh, education minister, minister is working so hard and, you know, trying to tailor different types of learnings and different types of cultures to uh, to be accommodated when we're talking about education. So, which is why my end goal is 
to really serve a purpose in the education sector. So hopefully that goes well and goes according to plan. So yeah. Sounds like a lofty goal indeed. But it's definitely something that can benefit uh, you know, Indonesians everywhere. Just one question I wanted to ask about that, right? Because some, I guess some of our viewers are from international locations, so they might not, you know, appreciate how how diverse and how large, you know, Indonesia is. Do you maybe have like one example that, you know, showcases people from different regions in Indonesia not being able to learn in the same way or like having different learning patterns? Yeah, um, I think when we're talking about learning patterns, uh, I think even not talking about culture, um, basically every student has different learning uh, patterns, right? Um, but, you know, being affiliated with culture, that becomes more complex because they're uh, affected by how by their upbringing. So basically Indonesia is divided into several regions. So we have like the Eastern Indonesia, we have the Western Indonesia, and we also have you know, all other regions, like I can't recall because I'm bad at the geography, but basically, um, the, uh, because I think that, I think Western Indonesia, which is where I am, uh, you know, Jakarta and Yogyakarta and uh, just basically the Java Island, if you guys are aware, um, we are more modern, right? In a way that we, um, because, because all modernization began from the Java Island, so we're more exposed to like, how basically, uh, you know, capitalist culture of like learning things and to actually just, we're pretty westernized as well um, here. Although not not 100%, but then like, we do have that influence of like uh, modernization sooner. But with other regions, like for example, from Eastern Indonesia, um, the development hasn't, uh, hasn't really, you know, spread that that much yet or uh it's it's doing better but still you know because of that gap so of course then um there would be a lag in terms of spreading of information and perhaps like people in the big city were more accustomed to um more fast-paced learning but those in rural areas then they have they need to catch up with a lot of things so just that uh, issue of like access, issue of, um, you know, basically basic understanding and basic uh, skills that's not uh, equipped, uh, that's not equally distributed. That is already like the, the starting uh, point of like the many, many issues that we have in the education system. So yeah. Uh, and culturally, it has a large influence because every culture has different ways of um, of upbringing, and that would affect how they view education and whether they take education as an important um, aspect of their life. Yeah, fair, fair, definitely. I think all the points you brought up regarding um, how, I guess, West and East Indonesia, such different regions, their uh, cultural background really serves to show how um, education can't just be treated as like, you know, one thing that we do in one specific way in order to solve the problem. Yeah. I guess moving on to kind of the second half of our conversation, right? The 180DC 
uh, Apex Summit case competition because I I know that's a big thing, you know. Given given I'm from <laughs> I'm from the Apex Summit team, so just for our viewers who may not be aware of what it is, right? I guess just what is it and what is the theme of this case competition? Yeah, so um, basically the Apex Summit case challenge is one of the pre-events uh, to the actual Apex Summit, which I believe will happen in March. And our case challenge is essentially a case competition um, with under the theme of uh, fostering community development through sustainability initiatives. So the theme is... Uh, pretty aligned with the grand theme of the APAC Summit itself, which surrounds um, sustainability. So yeah, that's the theme. Okay, and you did mention earlier in our conversation that there was this partnership with Pulang, right? That you, yeah. you guys were working on. Uh, maybe you want to share what, what that is about? Sure. So uh, Pulang is uh, our case partner. Um, basically, they will provide the case for both the preliminary and the final rounds. And what is Pluang? So Pluang is an Indonesian-based uh, fintech. So they see, so they're uh, an all-in-one investment application. And because, as we've discussed earlier, fintech is such an emerging space. Uh, Pluang is also one of the emerging startups that is gaining a lot of, you know, attractions, and they're growing very quickly. So like. That's why we're partnering with them uh, because they can provide information, uh, provide cases that are related to financial sustainability, and that's what that's the main focus of our um, theme, basically. Okay, maybe again for our viewers who might not know, right? Uh, would you want to break down what financial sustainability means? Sure. Um, so essentially. Uh, I just wanted to take a step back to talk about uh, why we chose this theme. Um, basically, we know that um, the grand theme of 180 uh, DCA Fact Summit was sustainability, right? And we realized that uh, many competitions and many events, they were bringing up issues regarding environmental sustainability, which is something that we also discussed last year during our previous competition that we held. Um, but we also realized that there are also other dimensions of sustainability that we should look at, such as financial sustainability. So if we know that basically financial sustainability is that, you know, uh, if we're talking about financial sustainability, we're talking um, through a lot of different dimensions, actually. Um, but essentially, we are taking into account, you know, the environmental, social and governance factors when we are making a financial decision. or when we're talking about a financial issue. Um, and in this case, we are looking at the angle of financial inclusion. So uh, previously we have discussed a little bit about financial inclusion and how in Indonesia, there are a lot of unbanked and underbanked population, populations, and uh, which is why we're focusing on financial inclusion for this case, um, because we believe that um, you know, the backbone of a lot of economic activity is the ability to access financial services. But in Indonesia, unfortunately, there are still populations that cannot do that because, and that is why um, syntax such as Luang will uh, fill that gap and um, solve that kind of financial uh, inclusion um, issue. 
yeah, that totally makes sense. It's very, very clear um, why you guys chose that theme. Very, very on-brand, you know, for sustainability. And I think it's a unique angle of sustainability that mm. is very special to Indonesia, I would say, and the APEC region, I guess. So for those who want to participate, yeah. what's the commitment for this competition like? Um, what needs to be produced at the end of the day? Yeah, so uh, basically the case competition consists of the preliminary round and the, and, and the final round. So during the preliminary round, uh, participants will have to submit a report. So I forgot how many pages, but I believe it's around 10, 15 pages of like case analysis and solutions. So it's in a Word document. Um, and the final round will be a 24-hour case challenge. And this is very exciting because this is our first time doing a 24-hour case because uh, in Indonesia, we're not very used to doing that kind of like 24-hour, 12-hour cases because it's very daunting and everything. But this is our first time, so hopefully everyone enjoys it. Um, and another thing that's really exciting is that prior to the final round, you guys will have an exclusive mentoring session if you were selected as a finalist. So yeah, you will be mentored personally by uh, professional consultants or practitioners that are uh, that can help you with sharpening your analysis and solutions. Wow, that sounds amazing! I twenty four hours to you know put together put together like a completely done product is insane. I I once took part in a hackathon. <laughs> it's it's always the three a.m. periods of time. Uh, you know when you're up at three a.m. you kind of have no idea what's going yeah. on, and then that's like the <laughs> that's the peak performance. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so okay, I guess more yeah. of the. Yeah, so I guess more on the motivation end, right? What what are the prizes for this competition, you know? What do you get if you win? Mm. Uh, I think when we talk about case competitions, the best thing about it is the prize. Cause of course. Reason, it's always, like, the biggest compared to other, <laughs> other competitions. But um, for this one, uh, the total prize is uh, $1,150 US dollars. But we can't disclose the division yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we, uh, I can't really tell yet, like, like how much for the first, second, and third places. But total is around as uh, total is one, yeah, one thousand one hundred fifty US dollars. Okay, it's a respectable sum, you know. <laughs> so, um, maybe if you could share who are the judges or uh, who's going to be judging, you know, what's what's the judging criteria like? Anything you're looking for in particular, you know? <laughs> so, for the judges, so for the, I can't really tell yet for the preliminary round judges, but for the final round, um, the judge will, of course, come from our case partner. Um, so, Luang will send their CEO I believe, to uh, judge the final round. And we're also inviting um, maybe a lecturer from UGM because we also want to uh, provide like a localized environment where it's still UGM influenced a little. And lastly, uh, we're also inviting a practitioner, maybe a professional professional consultant um, or you know, just anyone that is in the fintech or financial institution space. Okay, that sounds great. Um, yeah, so I've also heard that, I mean, 180DC UGM did host uh, something similar to the APEC case comp uh, last year. 
Um, I think it was called HackBiz2022. Maybe you could tell me more about what that is and like how it turned out in the end. Yeah, so uh, HackBiz was actually our uh, flagship event started in 2021. So I was part of both uh, years, actually. Um, basically, it's a combination of hackathon and business case competition where we provide our our participants with a cave and then for the solution they will have to produce a product which normally what you do in a hackathon and how and the the issue that we so the, the theme that we um highlighted last year was regarding uh environmental sustainability so it's another angle of sustainability and how it turned out was um uh, uh it was very exciting because we were able to see the different ideas and innovations that our participants were able to come up with. And they were very creative in terms of, you know, providing information, uh, providing solutions within the, uh, you know, the, the environmental sustainability space, which is something which was actually a very important issue in Indonesia as well. Um, but still not yet a lot of innovation. So those per- fresh perspectives were really valuable to um, to the sector. Okay, I mean, it sounds like you guys have a lot of experience holding these sorts of events. So how do any participants sign up if they want to? And what are the <laughs> key deadlines, you know? Yeah, so uh, first of all, if in order to sign up, you can go onto our Instagram account. Um, so it's at 180dcapac.cc uh, and you can also uh, take a look at our uh, branch Instagram account it's at 180dcugm um, and if you're planning on registering uh, make sure that you're signing up before the 15th of February um, we're probably going to extend the deadline if everyone's very excited and everything so, but then just watch out uh, for 15th of February. And then the case will be distributed around 19th of February. And yeah. Oh, and, and another thing is this Saturday, we will have an, an event with uh, Luang as our case partner. So stay tuned on our Instagram account. Yeah, so once again, that's at 180dcapec.cc. Yes, it's 180dcapec.cc. So yes, please follow that account. Okay, so we've come to kind of near the end of the podcast. I just wanted to ask participants that are looking to sign up, looking kind of interested in the case competition, do you have any like last words you want to tell them to, you know, sell, really sell the uh, 180DC APEC uh, case competition? Um, okay. Uh, I think there really is no reason for you not to sign up. Uh, but then I personally think that the case competition will truly help you sharpen your business acumen and your you know, your understanding upon uh, social issues, especially financial sustainability or sustainability in general. Um, and I think it's an, a wonderful opportunity to network with uh, people coming from all around APAC region and, you know, other 
other branches of 180 or other countries basically so yeah i really encourage you to sign up and hopefully everyone can learn something and take something away from this competition okay thank you so much for coming on shalka thank you so much for inviting me i'm very very excited for this Okay, so to everyone out there, thanks so much for watching. Stay tuned for for more branch showcases on the Capacity Podcast. Once again, this has been uh, Ryan Lee, the host of Capacity, the One Eighty DC Apex Summit Podcast. Unlock your capacity today. Thank you so much for watching.